0: is my Bible. Bible? Uh, I believe it's God's word. I believe believe every word is true, and it's all I need. need. Okay, John (coughs) Lovin. So, it is um, such a good chapter, and we we know it. It's such a familiar chapter, but you will be surprised. Uh, how individual lessons we will learn. So now Jesus it's been a hard road these last weeks he has been going through so much abuse. He's been he's been uh, he's been uh hearing the Pharisees and he he, he he knows how to handle them, and yet it's got to get to him. I mean, so last week we we had him going over to the other side of the Jordan, and there they talked about John the Baptist, and and uh, so it was a little respite. And now it says now during that time, during that time when they were over um, in at the Jordan. At the same time a man named Lazarus was sick now we we know this threesome. They were friends with Jesus. They were close knit friends with him, and in fact, Jesus stayed by their house many times. And so they they had a real rapport. In fact, probably kind of like last week when we talked about the shepherd and the sheep, and and uh, they had that close intimate relationship with Jesus, and it. It pays to say that because, you know, sometimes when we have a close walk with Jesus and we really can tell that we're growing spiritually, and then something hits and you think, no, 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 it's not supposed to go like that now just because we're growing in the Lord and we have a cro- in a close walk with him and we're listening to our shepherd's voice and and we, we seem to be doing what's right life happens and Lazarus got sick and it wasn't because um he didn't uh, he was walking wrong with the Lord we know that the Lord wants to show his glory. How, how many of you use that? How many of you have thought about that since we've done this, that now when things hit, i I got to tell you, I've been able to use it so many times with different people. And I could say, because guess when they'll say, well, how come, why is this happening? And take them right into John 9 and have, have them say, and to be able to say to them, I got the answer for you. You mean you know why this is happening to me? I said, I do. I know what's ha- I know why it's happening to you, you know? And they're and they're probably not expecting this, but I take my Bible and I said, because he wants to show his glory through you. And all of a sudden there they stop and they realize, are we willing to let him use us? And we never think about that, but are we willing to let him use us, even in the difficulties, because people are watching, and you think about this story, and how this story has been used, and Jesus could have, and according to Mary and Martha, should have, and after all. Oh, look how much food they've been feeding them. Look how many times they've stay, stayed at their house. I mean, let's face it. We might have said, maybe not out loud, but in our minds, like, after all, what we've done for you. I mean, especially when you really are walking with him and you're coming to Bible study and you're learning and and things just, you know, and God, just. The timing is just so bad, and it just doesn't make sense, and after all what I've been doing for you, but the answer is the Lord wants to show his glory to you and I, and he never said that it was going to be always when things were working perfectly. How much do you really believe that there was the key word, and you're going to see that is the key word tonight, believe. And you think you know, and you think you believe, but our lives and our actions would be so different if we really did believe. If we really believed he was who we said he was, and we really believed that he was to show his glory through our lives. Now, here we go. Three close people that Jesus loved and they loved him, but Lazarus got sick. So, Martha and Mary did what you and I do right away go to the Lord, pray to Him, and really, what if we were honest, what do we pray? Lord, make it all right. Make it right, we wanted to we we really don't we really don't like this uh um oh, and by the way, do it quick because <laughs> we we don't want to suffer, and we sure don't want to suffer long, and so fix this and 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 we know you can't see, we're not going to him believing that he that you know we really do believe he can. He can, too. I mean, he, he has, he's God, he can do anything, anytime, anywhere, and we know that, and so oh, fix this. And sometimes he says, no, I've got other plans because of this. I know I'm going to fix it, but it's going to be in a different way than you think, Oh, so here's, you know, Lord, come. Uh, uh, the one you love is sick, and so get over here quick. And and what does Jesus do? He, he says, he's, yeah, he waits, and he says this. This sickness will not end in death, he says. You know, by the time the word got to Jesus, Jesus Lazarus was dead already. And then what does it say? He's, he waited two more days. So, you know, he's been dead four days. But anyway, Jesus said, No, this sickness isn't gonna end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. So, no, this is this is not gonna end in death. And, and, Come on, you have to admit when you read that, the first time you had to think, well, it certainly did. This sickness will not end in death. So, okay, being that he did die, you've got to stop a minute and you've got to say, well, then what in the world does he mean? Because he's not a liar. So what in the world is he meaning when he said, this sickness will not end in death? Okay, so you've got to stop. God's word is so profound, and everything he said has a reason. So his words, this sickness. Now, what is your and my, what is our worst sickness? Oh, I know we can think cancer, we can think Alzheimer's, we can think all of these things, but... And I don't know what Lazarus had. He was sick in his body. But, okay, what does Jesus mean? Sickness. What's our sickness? What's our worst sickness? Our sin, our self. We, we are, that is our worst sickness, our lostness. That's our worst sickness, our hopelessness. And he is saying that our sickness will not lead to death. Why Why won't our sickness, our worst sickness, not lead to eternal death? Why won't it, it, it? We deserve it. But why won't it lead to death? Because he came. He's saying these words, and he's saying, do you realize that because I'm willing to leave heaven and become a man and shed my blood, do you realize that your worst sickness, that was absolutely, there was no cure for it. In fact, you were going to die, and you were going to eternally die. And, but because I was willing to come, your sickness will not end in death. See, it's so much more it's so much richer it's so much more beautiful than just reading the words in your, and in your mind you're thinking well he did die so what in the world did he mean but he's trying to show you and I you put so much into your human bodies you should be thinking so much more about that part of you that determines whether you eternally live or whether you eternally die. And from last week's lesson, there is only one gateway you can go through to make sure you have the eternal life. You walk into that that salvation pen, you go into that only, there's only one entry. And if you try to get in any other way, it's, it doesn't work. The world's ways of trying to get into heaven <laughs> don't work. Oh, it, it seems to be um, more reasonable. It seems to be, um, you know, good works, uh, all those kinds of things. But it's, no, no. The world's lying to you. There's only one way into that salvation pen. And then, then the shepherd will know you by name and call you out. That means once you've been to the cross, he then calls you back into life and says, now you listen, you follow your shepherd. That story last week, that is the gospel message, and it is how we are to live after we're saved. It's just the simplest story, but it says it all. This is what you expect. very easy to understand. You come into salvation through me, and then because I was willing to save you when you didn't deserve it, this is what I expect to return. You live the rest of your life listening and following me. That's the terms. And I don't know how we've gotten so far off from the terms because this is, this is it. This is how he expects us not only to be saved but then to live our life after our salvation. Not, not questions, this is the way it is. These are his terms. And so um, when we hear this story now, he's just kind of pretty much reiterating that because of me, your sinful, hopeless self will not end in eternal death. And then he goes on and says, But God's glory is going to be seen through his son. I mean, that's why those red letters are so, when Jesus said that, he was telling you and I, we have been given a gift, a gift of grace. And, and he should be, when, when we know that because our sickness does not lead to eternal death like it should have, we should be giving God so much more glory because he's the only one that could have done that. That's what he means in that. That was not a verse just for Lazarus. It was a verse for you and me to see we should be a whole lot more excited about our salvation and how we live our life and and how we glorify him. I'll uh, Verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So he loved them. They loved him. It was working. And then verse 6, what's the first word of verse 6? Yet. So just because, just because you have this great relationship going, and you are you are really thrilled how you are growing spiritually, and you're maturing, and you're knowing him more and more, and you love how he's working in your life, and then poof, all of a sudden, then you run into something like this, and you've got to be reminded just because you love him and he loves you, yet he's still got more to teach us, and he's still has to keep pushing you and I forward because he doesn't, if you and I, if we just get stagnant, if we just say, well, you know what? I've come a long way. I'm content with what I know now. And this this study really helped me. Now, I think I can just kind of ease off now. That is so dangerousy. You and I can never level off. We can never get to the point that we think we know enough that will keep us. If if you if you and I don't keep working at this, we will fall back to ourselves. And and Jesus warned, like he said to that man who he healed. He says, if you don't shape up, you're going to be worse off than you were before. We have to. working at our relationship and we have got to allow him to keep testing us and even though we don't want it that's why Um, I'll get to that in a minute so they, they had a love relationship yet Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick and he purposely stayed for two more days then two days, after, after two days, then he says, okay, now it's time, now it's time, now how does he know it's time, he knows Lazarus is died, and he knows he's been dead four days, now I don't know if you knew this, I did not know this, but um, Jewish People or even pagan people, they would would think that um, the first couple days a person's dead, their their spirit just kind of hovers around. But when they've been dead four days, then they're really dead. Isn't that silly? But that's true. I read that. There was like a superstition that they thought that the spirit doesn't do what the spirit does until four days. Then the spirit takes off, and then the person really is dead. Now, you know, Jesus knows who he's working with. And if he doesn't wait long enough, you know what they're going to cockamamie come up with some excuse. Well, say the spirit was just kind of hovering around, and he really wasn't all that dead dead. Yeah, so don't don't underestimate Jesus because he he has every detail handled. So timing, timing is perfect with him. And he, this is perfect timing because can't you, you know, when they tell him, oh, Lazarus is sick and, and then he waits two more days and then all of a sudden it must have been kind of a, a jolt with it he, when he says to him, okay, now we're going. And then they said, but Rabbi, we're going to go back to the place where, you know, last week's lesson, they tried to stone you. And we're going to go back to Jerusalem, the Judea area, and you know how they hate you there. And you're going to go back there, and we're going to go back there with you? Are you sure? And that was such a protection. It was. And then Jesus answered and said, Are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. So, you know, he's given another one of those um, picture, idea, analogies, and he says, okay, 12 hours. We work and we we can walk because we can see and we make the most of that time. And you know he is saying that when we walk with him in the light of his word, in the light of who he is, he says, I am the light. When we listen to the shepherd's voice and we follow him, when we are walking in the light, he says, you won't stumble. When you're listening to me, even though you might not like my direction, you might not like the road I put you on, you know me so well and we love each other so much that by now you trust me and you keep following me because I won't ever lead my child down the wrong path. Oh, that's, the, that's where we want to get to. that We stay walking in the daylight. We keep walking in the light. We keep following the shepherd and then we will not stumble because when he says, but in the night... When it's night, he stumbles, for there's no light. There's only two roads. We either walk on the road of light, or we go to the road of self. And it can happen, and we're going to see it in, in, um, in these women. T- we're going to see with Martha especially how quick we can be walking on the right road, walking in the light, and then how quick something can cause us to stumble. And when we're on the road of self, we will stumble. And what he means, what stumbles, you and I? Fear and worry. And, and um, oh, those are the two, two a, a grief and emotion. Sometimes, remember we've talked about when emotions get bigger than our faith. We will see that in this lesson as well and how quick our human nature can get bigger than our faith and then all of a sudden we've gone off to, to the wrong road and then we start stumbling with our worries and our, and our fears and, and our panics and, and listening to all what looks so hopeless and then you start stumbling. So he said, when you walk in the light, and he's using the 12 hours of day, of course. But I mean he's saying when you choose to stay on the road, walking in the light, because you can see and you can you know his course of direction, you're moving according to his commands, and he's got him. He's got directions right in here. So he says, You get off. On the uh, without light, which means um, the road of you, because that's there's no light there. And then you watch. You wonder why you stumble, why you fall into self-pity, why all of a sudden you've gotten into that, oh, I'm down, and I'm discouraged, and I'm defeated, and in this feeling of hopelessness, and I can't see my way out of this. You have just moved off the road of light, the road of hope. The road of His Word, and you've gone to the road of self, and you and I are stumbling. So again, in those couple of verses, He's saying you've got a choice, and you better know, and you better know the Holy Spirit's going to help you recall this, because when you're walking in the light, you can just—it's like the song says—when you're walking in the light of His Word. What glory He sheds on your way, and then know when you all of a sudden feel discouraged and despair and hopeless, and you're and you just are floundering and you feel sorry for yourself, and, and all of a sudden you better know that you moved, He didn't. The, you just moved from one one road to the next. He said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. And his disciples replied. I could have put in there. And Linnell's mom replied, because my mom used to say this all the time. She used to say to me, sleep is the best thing when you're sick, because sleep heals the body. When you're sleeping, your body is healing. I don't know how I I just remembered that. That's prob- that was probably her way of keeping me in bed or something. But, but I do believe there is truth to that. And it made me smile because that, that was, must be common reasoning because the disciples said that. Well, why would you wake him? He's sick and he's finally sleeping. He's probably, you know, his fever probably broke. He's probably weary. Why would you wake him? His body's healing now. <laughs> and then... It says in verse in verse 14. Then he said plainly, "No more analogies, no more, um, n- n- you know, putting it in, um, you know, other ways." He he just plain out said Lazarus well, is dead. That had been a jolt because they heard him say his sickness will not li- would not lead to death. Sickness. I mean, they heard him say that just about five minutes before. And so when he says, oh, no, I'm going to go wake him up. No, 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 don't wake him up. And I think Jesus is saying, you know what, en- enough analogies. Um, he's dead. And then, And then he says these words, and I think sometimes we read them too fast because if you really slow down... Again, yeah, this did not make sense at first, does it? When he says Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad. I mean, doesn't that sound cruel? For for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there and that he died. And then you, I gotta keep reading, and he says, I'm glad because see. You've watched me heal the sick, you've watched me heal the blind, you've watched all this, but you haven't seen this, and I am going to prove it. He's, He's running out of earthly time, and he knows it, and he wants them to have a glimpse of what resurrection is all about. So he says, Lazarus is dead and for your sake, because you are going to see something for your sake, I am glad I wasn't there. So that now you may believe, I told you a while ago, believe tonight is your word because he is going to check It's because, you know, believe it's so easy to say, oh, sure, I believe. Oh, yes, I believe his timing is perfect. And yet, we'll go home and we'll just bellyache because it's not happening fast enough. But 10 minutes ago, you were sitting in Bible study singing, In his time, in his time, he makes all things beautiful. Aren't I right? We are so human like this. And Jesus knows. He knows that it's so easy for religious people to say all those right words. And he's saying, I am done with that. I want to make sure that you believe so that it changes how you act and look and how you know me. Because how we, how we really believe determines how we, if we really know him or not. And again, the West Michigan theology, West Michigan religion is so dangerous. It's eternal, eternally dangerous. West Michigan religion. Gotta be so careful. Cause we can know the jargon, we can know the words, we know when to use them. And he says, you know what? I see through that. I want to make sure that you really do believe so that it will change you. And so I'm glad that I wasn't there. I could heal this sickness. But I'm glad I wasn't because you are going to, the depth of your belief is going to go a lot farther when you watch this. And see, that's what he's trying to say to you and me. Are you willing to let me show myself through this? Because you are going to know me and love me and believe in me a whole lot more if I do this versus if you got your way. So are, are we willing to trust him, and are we are we willing to surrender ourselves because we know that he's really his timing and his working is is really perfect, and so he says, "Okay, let's go, let's go to him." And then Thomas, and then Thomas, and we know Thomas, we know him, and later on we know he's the one that says, "No, um, I am not going to believe it." Us, I see and put my fingers right there. You know, I think every disciple had a unique, um, I don't know, they were all unique. And they had like Philip. Remember Philip was the one that in the feeding of the 5,000. Remember Philip said, uh, yeah, let's figure. Because Jesus said to him, now Philip, how are we going to, you know, we're going to feed these people. And Philip, I think he was the... Um, the, the numbers guy. And he was trying to figure, let's see, we got a few little fish and a few little loaves. And he, you know, I think he is the accountant in the group. I think he's kind of figuring that out. He's got that mind thing going. Thomas, I think Thomas's personality was just common sense. Tom, Thomas was just, you know what? I, I, I just, I just full of common sense and if, if I can't reason it out and I think he is thinking here we just left that hornet's nest they had the stones in their hands we haven't really been gone that long for it to cool off and we're going right back in there they, they still are hot as hot can be in, in all common reasoning Thomas is saying I, I don't know and so when Jesus says, We're going, Thomas is going to be the one to say, Well, then let's go, and that we may die with him. Yeah. I think he's just logic. Thomas is logical. And he's just saying, "You know what, okay then if he is if he is headstrong and he's going back, even though we tried to warn him, we tried to make him realize the logical thing this isn't the wise thing to do when it comes to um keeping you safe, but okay, then we'll go and die with you." Now, on his arrival, on Jesus' arrival, he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now, when you read that, you think, oh, that was kind of a surprise to Jesus? No, wasn't it wasn't a surprise to Jesus. He, he found out, oh, they're going to say, oh, he's been, you know, he's been dead four days. And, and Jesus knows that's why he purposely waited two more days and then said, okay, now it's time. Four days. So Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Now I think you would say you can understand that if you've lost a loved one. Was it helpful when people came and maybe he didn't say much, but they were there for you. Um, is there something to when people comfort you, um, when people uh, take the time to care for you um, or cook for you or bake for you or, or just show that they love you and they want to be there at your difficult time? I think if you've been through that, you will say that is so helpful and it does feel good, doesn't it? When you are just loved, you feel like it's, it's you're being hugged. In you're vulnerable, and in your need, you have people that are coming around you, and it feels so good. And I think that this is what they did. They came around, Mary and Martha, and, and now when Jesus came down the road, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Now, I don't want a bad mouth, Mary. <laughs> I really don't. We, but I'm just trying, I really thought this through. I really did. I put myself in the story. Now how come now, you know, we've heard the story of how Martha got the rebuke that one time because Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha said to Jesus, Would you get her out in the kitchen? I'm trying to do this on my own and Jesus says, Martha, Martha. You know, Mary was was doing what was so important. And Martha, you've let the things of this world get more important to you. And so it was kind of a rebuke. And Martha learned from that. I mean, none of us like to be corrected, but sometimes we need to be. And and Jesus corrected Martha and I can see that she really learned from it because when she heard Jesus was coming, she was up on her feet and she left that feeling of, of mourners giving her the love and the hope that she so needed. And Mary stayed. Now, Martha And Mary pretty much said the same thing to Jesus, made statements to Jesus. But, God, I want you to see Martha continued in her statement. Mary didn't. So listen to this. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I mean, they knew Jesus loved Lazarus, and and if you would have come, we've watched so many miracles, and and if you would have been here, we know because you loved him, you would have not, you would have healed him. He wouldn't have died. But look at verse 22. She continued. She might not, I mean, she would have wished Jesus would have come and healed her brother. But then she is willing, and this takes this takes so much faith to say, but I know. Oh, those are three great words, but I know. This is what I would have liked. I'm going to just be honest with you, Lord. If you'd have been here, and I know Lazarus wouldn't have died, but I know. that is Those are three surrender words, but I know. That even now, even now, even in this, even though it didn't go the way I wanted, I know even now God will give you whatever you ask. In other words, your will, whatever it is, is perfect. Do you know that that is the best prayer you and I can pray? It's simple. It's direct You're pouring your heart out, out, Lord, I know that you can do this, but whatever your will is, even now I'm going to let you have it, have your way. Because your will is perfect, mine isn't. Even though I think mine is, I really know it's not, and yours is. And your timing is perfect. That is the simplest and the best prayer In fact, I've told you many times, I mean, I'm like any other wife, uh, mother, grandma. I mean, I could be at my knees all day long, couldn't you? I mean, if you were praying, I mean, I could start in the morning and I could say, oh, but then I caught myself. Myself going through everyone, uh, my, my husband, my children, and then my grandchildren, and then and then and then this request, and all all I mean I have pages of requests. I could be on my knees all day long, and I have things to do. And I know that sounds terrible, but I have learned, and this just kind of helped me to see. That we can pray a simple prayer. I will tell you, I pray for my children and my grandchildren and my husband every morning, and I do within 10 seconds, 10, 15 seconds. Because I have learned to I have I have learned that I can trust him with him. I can I can trust my husband, my children, and my grandchildren to the Lord. I can trust him with the people I love so much. I can just say, and this has just helped me out. I just say, and because the first time I did it, I had to really check that trust level because it was kind of I kind of choked at it the first time. I remember saying, Lord, do what you have to do today. To keep them close to you. There's nothing I want more for Tom, for Chad, for Jason, for my seven grandkids. There's nothing I want more for them. Oh, I was, you know what I was praying before? Oh, you know how this was having a little trouble in school. And, um, you know, somebody just wasn't nice to her the other day. And, you know, and Lord, just clobber that kid, would you? I mean, mean, you know, you don't, that's kind of what you want. Just make it so it's nice and easy for them. I don't want her to have to go through that. I know that little boy was a little rascal, and he probably did, but the other one did to my good girl he did to someone else, and so he's you know he 's a little pistol, so you know um every one of them has a certain need, and I was telling the Lord how to handle it, what to do, and I was just giving him all my instructions. And now I am learning that I can say, Lord, you know them so well. And you know exactly where they are. And you know exactly what they need to keep them right before you. And I'm telling you, if it's going to take you to have to test and try and collaborate, them, then so be it. I'll be here. That's what Martha was basically saying, Lord, I know you could. And now we're saying, Lord, I know you can make everything just so fine for all of them and I just soon have them have an easy life and carefree and you know and you know and no no problems and all yeah that's just so typical when you love someone. You don't want them to suffer, but you know as well as I do, how did you get where you are? How did I get where I am? I'll tell you, it was through the hard times. It wasn't through the times that I got everything my way. I got a little too spiritually cocky when things were going all my way. When things don't go my way, I cling to them. And he wants you and I to keep clinging to him. So he knows how hot to get the fire. He knows how, how much we need to be molded. And he is saying, do you trust me enough with the people you love the most to surrender them to me and let me do what I know is necessary for them to get in a relationship with me? And that's not easy. It is not an easy thing to do. But I have seen it just work so, and I've had it so often. When, when I, even, even in my grandkids, I mean, my oldest ones now. Grandma, did you you prayed for me this morning? Yes, I, I sure did. Well, how did you know that that's what I needed? I didn't, but God did. I've heard, it, I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times. I've watched my kids, my boys say that to me. How did you know? I said, I didn't, but God did. And when we dear trust them enough and say, Lord, do what you have to do to them today, and it might not be pretty, and it might not be comfortable, but if you really have your best desire, if you really want your children and grandchildren to know and love the Lord and be close to him, then you got to give him full reign. because he knows how to get him there. And, and here he just, and Martha, Martha, you see her heart saying, oh, Lord, I know you could have, but I know, I know that even now, you are going to work this. You're going to work this for good. This is what, this is whatever your will is, I accept it. And then Jesus said, your brother will rise again. See, look how she's grown. I know, I know. it, And I'm sure she even said that with a smile on her face because even in in the hardest, death is the hardest. That's that's the toughest test. That's why David said, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though, he says, because he knows that's the hardest one. So... She she believed Jesus when he said, someday, because that's our hope. Oh, even in death, they don't die. And he's going to say that to her in these beautiful words that we hold so tight to, because it is the truth. I really think the more that we love the Lord and the, the more I know people will say things like, oh, now, now he, he's fishing in the great pond in the sky, you know. And the, if people say, oh, now he's on the perfect golf course. And, and you know, you hear it all. And, and people need to say things to to try to get comfort. But I'm telling you, your greatest and my greatest comfort should be when Jesus says, These words, I am the resurrection. And see, this is what Martha knows. She knows that even in this horrible situation, the day is going to come because he promised. And so she says, Oh, I know, I know. On the last day, he will rise. And then Jesus says, This I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, he who believes in me will live, even though it looks like he dies, but he's not. See, look at the word here, believes. I am the resurrection life. He who believes in me will not die. He will live. He who believes in me will live. And he who believes in me will never die. That is, the, those words, that, I mean, you can just picture because we know and we don't understand it all. And when we get into Revelation, we're not trying to figure everything out. But the hope is that this verse, he's saying, that person, if you really believe in me, they don't die. You don't die. Just this body, shell, that does, but in in the split second, Jesus comes and lifts that soul to be with him, I mean, he says, take comfort in that, but before you can take comfort in that, he said to Martha, he asked her this question, and he's asking you and I the same question today, he's saying, it's kind of like when he said, who do you say that I am? He asks you that, he asks me, and he expects Not a group answer. He's expecting a personal answer. He's saying, who do you say that I am? And here's, here's another one. He'll say, okay, this isn't a group question. A resurrection in the life. If you believe in me, you will live. You, it will look like you die, but you don't. And then he asks... Do you believe it? He asked Martha, I was right, I think he was right in her face, and he's right in your face, in my face. And he says, I know you've heard these songs, you've heard these words at every funeral you've been to. But I'm telling you, I, I think at every funeral, I think the, the minister or whoever reads it should not stop with those beautiful words but should look at the people and say, do you believe this? Because it's the answer to that question. It's not just words. It's when you, Do you believe this? If you really believe that, that, that changes everything. It changes your total outlook. I mean, Jesus is going to show us that tears aren't, it's not the tears that are bad. That's, that's not the problem. I mean, he cried, Abraham cried, Jacob cried, Jeremiah cried, Josiah cried, Hezekiah cried. I mean, you can go through, that's okay. Crying isn't the problem. But do you believe that I'm the resurrection and the life? You stand that road of light, light that's filled with promises that keep reminding you that it doesn't end. Do you believe that I am the resurrection? Because then it goes on forever. She answered, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. Oh, that's what Jesus wants to hear you and I say. Yes, Lord. After that, she had said this. She went back, called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, and when Mary heard and is asking for you, and Mary, poof, all of a sudden, she's up on her feet. And she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her had noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there now. And when Jesus reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, isn't that true? She said the same thing Martha did. But what did she not say? But I know that even now, your will in this is perfect. <laughs> she didn't say that. And that is, to me, is, is a world of difference. We can all say to the Lord, oh, we know you could have changed the whole situation and the scenario and made everything right, but are we willing to go as far as Martha and, and, and not stop at Mary because it's so tempting to just stop there. You should have and you could have and why didn't you? It was Martha that went on and said, But I know. Are we willing to say, But I know that even though it's not what I wanted, you know what's best? God will give you whatever you ask, and that means that His will is perfect. It- he doesn't know how to do anything but be perfect because he is perfect, so it can't mean anything but that. She, she surrendered and resolved. She made that conscientious choice to say, but I know that even now, When Jesus saw her weeping, because see, she, she, she left the mourners just because she, she, she thought she better get up and go to Jesus. And then, and then when she said that, Lord, why didn't you get here and you could have, you, you wouldn't have died, she, she just kept the tears, this uncontrolled, this grief that, that was out of control. She didn't let her faith take over like Martha did and this is where it gets dangerous it's not that you can't cry it's not that you can't feel but do we let we do we run the danger of letting our emotions get bigger than what we know if you don't say but i know but i know that even in this you're up to something for my good And that your plan is perfect and your time is perfect. I know I sing the songs and they all sound so good when I'm singing them, but I believe them. So, I mean, Jesus saw them weeping and he was deeply moved in spirit. And King James says that he groaned. I mean, he hurt. When you lose someone you love, you groan. It is a grief like none other, but yet you have got to know, even now, even in it, you got to know what he's promised you, and who he is, and do you really believe it, that's why he said to Martha, sounds good Martha, you quoted that just fine, but do you believe it? Or is it just West Michigan theology and West Michigan religion words that you have learned to say? If you really believe it, it will change everything. Where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. That's beautiful. That's true. And then there's always some cynics, always some cynics in the bunch. And sure enough, they said, "Could not he have opened? Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying?" Before we get too upset with these people, I know I've said it. I know I. If you were honest, I'm sure you said it. I. I, I don't want to think that I shake my fist at him, but I think I kind of have. Oh, I remember when Chad went into the military the first night, the very first night, we dropped him off in Lansing, and uh, it, was, it was so horrible. You know, you drop him off, and, and you know that they're going to be buzzing his hair. You know they're going to be starting. I mean, the recruiters warned us. We knew it was not going to be a good night, and the next day, and it was. It, so I'm laying in bed, and I'm thinking about what they're doing to my boy. And and I I'm laying there and I'm I'm trying to pray you know I'm trying to pray and I'm saying Lord you know just please give me the peace that I need to get through this and and I and then I was still just tossing and turning and I was hearing the our oh I don't like grandfather clocks I've got rid of it every 15 minutes that crazy thing would. <laughs> Thing, and I, I heard that thing every 15 minutes and I just tossed and turned and, and Tom's snoring and, and this was just not a good night finally I sat up in bed and I looked up and I said you promised peace you're not good on your word I, I said that you're not good on your word I don't have any peace I'm not getting any peace and you promised peace thanks a lot and I'm sure I didn't say it out loud but I'm sure I thought and after all what I've been doing for you that is so sick I know I I have confessed so much to you guys in the last three weeks but (laughs) but these lessons bring it out of you if they make you take a look because you think you're doing so good and then you fall into your human nature and it's so, how quick you can get off that road with the light and then veer off to the then you're wondering why you're stumbling all over the place and I'm stumbling in bed accusing him of not giving him peace and you know it was as if I could hear and we sang last week and he walks with me and he talks to me, he does talk to us, if you are willing if I could almost hear the Lord say, after I finally let out and said, you're not good on your word, I could almost hear the Lord say, well, are you quite through? I mean, it's like he lets you have your tantrum. He lets you, you know, he's so wonderful and gracious that way. And you might as well say it because if you're thinking it, he knows what you're thinking anyway. So it makes you feel better anyway if you just go like that. And so I was just letting it out. And then finally, it's like, are you through? And then, and then it, you know why you aren't feeling peace? I mean, it was like I could hear the hope. That's why gives, he gives—he gives us the Holy Spirit. His whole, his spirit. Well, if you are just shut up, and if you just really want to hear the Holy Spirit, and I heard it him say, "You don't have peace because you haven't handed him over to me. You have not surrendered him to me." You think, yes, you've had him for 18 years and you've invested all this in him and you just can't just surrender him to me. That's just not fair. As a mom, you can keep part of him. And you can't. You either give him to me or you think you can control. And I know that was the problem. I knew that I hadn't said these words. I had not said these words. Here's my boy do with him. I still was, I was still, you know, spending half the night. I want this, and I don't want him to I have to have such short hair, and I don't really want them to be kicking him and spitting on him, and I really don't, you know. I mean, those first few days, you you know it's going to be, they're going to be screaming in his face. And, and Chad told me when he, when in one of his letters, he said, I broke easy. He says, because that's what the Marines do. He says, you better break easy because they will break you. Eventually they will because they want to mold you into what they want, what they need you to be. And he learned that. That, you know, is a good thing. Let them do what they know is best to get you into the, into the position of becoming a Marine. But I knew that I hadn't surrendered him. I didn't, I did not let go. Lord, do what you have to do. Cause it was in, it was in, it was past Marine Boot Camp and then Chad was gonna go and be a Marine officer. So he went to Quantico to be um he was gonna be a Marine officer. So and he went from California to Virginia and he was in officer's candidate school. And it was there after I had finally surrendered him. That was where he decided that, you know what, this isn't where I'm called, but the Lord had to corner me in this Marine bunk, so I finally listened to him. And he finished his his officer's training, and then he went into the reserves instead of accepting his officer position because he felt the call to ministry. But, you know, I think we, in our, in our holding on so tight instead of daring to surrender, the the Lord knows what he's doing and he knows what they got to go through. And I needed to grow. And he said, until you surrender him to me, you are not going to have that peace. And I'm telling you, I finally, for the first time, just gave him, Chad. I said, you got him. You got him. You do with him what you have to do to break him, to to remold him into what you have called him, created him to be. And i got to tell you, I did not hear the next 15-minute gong. I was sleeping. I I just think that this is what he is saying. He said, you know, don't get so cynical because, yes, he could do this. He could do everything just the way you wanted it, but he knows he's got a better plan because he knows what he's got to do to get us to the place that we not only love him but trust him. Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb and it was a it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. You know, we can picture that, right? I mean it's a cave and a big stone, and 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 he says, take away the stone. Take away the stone. Look at verse 39. After Jesus says, take away the stone, um, Look what Martha said, who just 10 minutes before said, Lord, I believe. Yeah. And look how quick she said what? But. but, but Lord. I'll tell you, the majority of the time when the Lord asks you to do something, it is not going to make sense. And when you've when you watched him work in your life through some tragedy or suffering or some obstacle, it is not going to be logical. And watch, when you, st- when you still do not quite believe, and you still haven't totally surrendered, and there's still a but, Lord. And you'd think you'd think the Lord would just be so nice and cut her a little slack and say, "Well, you know, after all, look what you know she's just lost her brother and uh, you know, and so Jesus didn't cut her a slack I mean she, she came up with a logical answer, I mean he's been dead four days, I mean, and he's you know the body's eating, and he, it probably is smelling, and you know this and no, no." Jesus came back and said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Now, now she has no idea that, that Lazarus is going to be raised from the dead, but he, and he doesn't tell her that. He's saying, just trust me. That through this, I can show my glory. Are you willing to just let me use your life and use this experience to show? Because people, I mean, look at all the people that are watching. Let me use this. And your but, but, but is not helping any. And I think, oh, I think I get that. (laughs) How many times? It's but, but, but. Well, that's not showing that I really believe No wonder people get confused. We say one thing and then, but this lesson in this familiar story, these last few lessons have been very confronting, I think. They took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you said me. I just, I, I laughed out loud. He, he uses everything. He, Lord, I thank you that you hear me. Now, I know you do, but I'm saying this just so the people who are listening can know. He's using every opportunity. I want them to believe the way I believe. I want them to believe that you sent me. I want them to have all of this so that they can know me in a way that will change their life. And when he heard, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice. And I don't know if it was volume loud, but when he said, Lazarus, come out. Do you think that it was said with power and authority? And again, I don't know how loud it was, but he said it that everybody heard that he meant business. Lazarus come out. And here, here comes Lazarus. He comes out with his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. I mean, that hadn't been a sight. Now, this this was different than Jesus' resurrection, remember? When Jesus rose from the dead, remember, he, he was like, he evaporated out of the clothes, and he was in a new body, and he was, I mean, he came out in the in the, in the the grave clothes, and when they unwrapped him, he's got the same skin, the same, you know, because Jesus was the first person that rose never to die again. Anybody else who was raised from the dead in Old Testament or New before Jesus? Every other one of them was raised back to their human bodies and had to die again. So, you know, and you, you want to say, well, four days, where was it, Lazarus? So, I have no answer. I have no answer. Put that on your list. <laughs> well, we're going to be able to talk about someday. But I don't know. All I know is that when Jesus said, come out, he did, he came out, and then he said, unwrap them, take off those grave clothes. If this resurrection isn't such a symbol of what you and I are like when you go to the cross, we we are dead in ourselves, right? When we go to the cross, that's why we're so humbled and blind because we know we can't save ourselves. So we go to the cross, and it's just like we are just so wrapped in, in bondage and sin, and, and it's like dead clothes that we're just caught up in. And, and when Jesus says, Take them off. We come back in our same skin, and and we're the same person, really, except that inside, it's no longer I. It's Jesus who lives. And so even though we might look physically the same, we are totally different because we have been set free the bondage of sin and eternal death is gone. And when, when those when that those dead clothes are taken off at the cross, what what are they replaced with? We don't leave stark naked. We leave to live this life in our same bodies, but spiritually, what new clothes are we wearing? The righteous clothes, the white robe of righteousness. We are wearing those clothes. This was such a picture. How we come so dead and bound in our own self, and Jesus tells us to take them off. You've been set free. I think that's why I said to the adulterous woman, now go live it up, go live in peace. You got to do you really believe that you've been saved? And now let me start the change process. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did and put their faith in him. I mean, obviously, some who saw that were willing to believe it. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing? Here's this man performing many miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Oh, how, oh Carol, you said it. How selfish can you get? How many times haven't I stood up here in these last few weeks and said, how could they not have... Believed? How could they not have understood? He used analogies and and demonstrations, and I mean, he it couldn't have been any simpler. Shepherd sheep, uh, one gate. Um, I mean, nope, they didn't get it. No, nope, didn't understand. It's not that they couldn't; they wouldn't. And here they hear, he told Lazarus, come forth, and he walked out. Even if that's not understandable, wouldn't you think they would come and say, well, you know, I'm adding this all up, let's sit and talk about this. We've got a few questions, and he can't wait to answer your questions if you come sincerely and with a desire to really want to know. He knows this is hard to digest all at once, but if you if you come every week and you study every day, he's saying I can see that they really want to know. Then that's why every week you're going you're going you're going to be different than you were last week. But if you don't want to and it is a big it is a big question. Do you really believe this? Do you I mean that is a that's a monumental life-changing question. Who do you really say that I am? Who am I really in your life? Do you really believe this? Or is it just nice stories that you've heard since you were a little kid? And so, these Pharisees, they're so worried about themselves, you know, because Rome Rome would just give, you know, they were let the Jews kind of go if they would just not rock the boat too much. And so, they're thinking, the more the crowds believe the more people that come and believe in Jesus, the more ruckus that, that, that they're going to, you know, they're going to keep praising and worshiping, and that's going to make a whole lot of noise. And then, the Romans, Romans will come and say, okay, we're cutting it off. We're taking away your temple we 're going 're gonna we 're gonna enslave you more than you were before we 're taking you as ours and so they 're so caught up with the with their physical i mean that 's why you know I pray, and I just ask the Lord Lord I know that you promised to meet our physical needs but but in our spoiled West Michigan, we have just we are just letting, let that get way out of hand. And I need, I, wanna, I want my insides, I want my inside to be far more beautiful than my outside. And I find that the more beautiful I am on the inside, the more it comes out of my face and it just comes out of our actions. That's why the more you put into the inside, your outside will follow. But we are, we're believing the liar. We're believing the liar who says, no, no, you need this, and you need this, and you need this. So then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, spoke up, you know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. I ask you a question. How did Caiaphas play into God's plan? He didn't even know it. You know, because Caiaphas, I mean, he, being a high priest, he had prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. You know... I'm going to make a statement. You can take it or leave it, but you know it's the only way I can make understanding on this. I mean, Campus is a high priest. He should know better. He sh- he's been he's been raised in this. Because high priests get passed on from from father and all that. So he should know. He sh- he knows that Old Testament. He knows what was prophesied. He of all people should know. Judas. Why in the world, you know, why, why, you know, he heard the same thing. Why did he do what he did? And you think, you know, you have got, and that's why no one's going to convince me. It's up to you, but no one's going to convince me that we don't have a responsibility The gospel is available for all, but we have a responsibility to take a look at that and hear it and decide whether we want it or not, because I have seen too much in these last chapters that show that you could be religious all you want, and you can miss the whole point because you don't want it. You don't want to be changed. You don't want to get that close to the cross. You don't really want him to surrender. You don't want to surrender your children and grandchildren, because that might mean all on and on. Do you? Really believe? Nope. I guess I really don't. I can say it because I don't want them to think I don't. But But you got—you have a religious person, a high priest here. Judas, who heard the words of Jesus, saw the miracles of Jesus, just like the other 11 did. And he said, no, At this Caiaphas, and you know what I think the Lord does then? He knows how they're going to answer. He knows Caiaphas isn't going to believe. And so the Lord says, okay, I think I can use him. <laughs> Judas, oh, I see, he's not going to, I can use him. I mean, you know, he, he gave, he, they could have had as much as anybody else, but because the Lord foreknows, he knows, I'm going to use them. And here is a religious high priest that chose not to believe, and, and they, everybody thought, oh, he's such a smart mouth. He's telling them all about, oh, let's get rid of one man for the sake of the whole nation. Oh, that makes good sense. You know, no, that didn't make sense, except the Lord said, okay, I'll use that. I'll, I'll let him and Judas be the they will be stepping stones to the cross. Oh, that, that makes me shiver sometimes. I think, oh dear, in my disobedience and in my, in my selfishness and my choosing to walk the self-road because I don't, I don't really want to surrender because I'm afraid of what's going to happen. In my selfishness, I'm thinking to myself, not only what have I missed myself, but What am I causing in someone else's life? Because people are watching. Therefore, Jesus no longer, he did to move around publicly because they already started, they plotted to take his life. And instead, he withdrew to a region near the desert, a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. And when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many went up from the country to Jerusalem for the ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They kept looking for Jesus. And as they stood in the temple area, they asked one another, what do you think? Is he coming to the feast at all? But the chief priests and Pharisees had given orders that if anyone found out where Jesus was, he should report it so that they might arrest him. Huh. I wonder who was hearing that saying, I might be able to cash in on this. Huh. I might be able to make a little money here. Oh, and other, and even more than money, I might be able to be a real big shot here. Who do you think is hearing that? If you don't hear Jesus, you hear self, and you know Jesus. You knew Jesus, Judas was hearing this. It makes such a difference who you're listening to. And it makes such a difference if you really believe. Heavenly Father, you did it again. It is amazing how how you can take these stories that we have all known for years and years and bring them right into our face and make us see that sometimes we do need a rebuke. Sometimes we don't quite believe what we say. We could be guilty of being cynical and even even, even shaking our fists maybe sometimes in your face because you don't give us what we want. But Lord, do we really know who you are? Do we really believe that you're perfect and that you love us? Yes, you love us. Oh, how you love us. That song tonight saying, Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more could he give? We have great, we have such proof, Lord, how much you love us. Now, in our responsibility, do we stay on the path of life? Do we do we want to follow our shepherd's voice? Do we really want to surrender and say, but I know, even I know you could have done this, but even now I trust you. Are we willing to let you use us to show your glory because we love you so much because we're grateful that we came bound in grave clothes and you set us free. we, We just love you tonight. And may our lives be proof. Our words can be cheap, but may our lives, may these lessons take hold of our heart and we will truly give you glory tonight all the glory. You deserve it all. You're worthy of it all. In Jesus' name, amen.